0: welcome and hello
1: good evening how are you doing or morning whatever time of day you are listening to good day to this. Good,
0: good day. Day. greetings
1: hello <laughs> <laughs> bonjour
0: wow that was ugly <laughs> we're going everywhere <laughs> um ex that's who we are
1: welcome back Stella. if you're first time listener sorry that's cat totally over you if you're a
0: first time listener welcome like Congratulations, you have picked the right podcast. It's true. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we're back after two weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, You and I like to catch up and and process a little bit before we get started. And so it's been a crazy two weeks for both of us.
1: Yes, lots of change. Lots of change. Which is really cool and exciting. So the consignment shop opened.
0: That's exciting.
1: And then it closed. Okay. All right. Change of station. No time. So, the first week it was open,
0: yeah.
1: um, I got to go there zero times to work on it. Okay. Because I have recently changed to a new job site. Right. And because of my new schedule, there's just not, in their store, the shop hours, there was just no time. Okay. Okay. And then I was like, okay, I'll do it
0: Saturday morning, first thing. And then they're not open, They're not first open until
1: 10. And then right. I was like, okay, I'll do it Sunday first. They're not open until noon. Okay. So it really was bringing more stress. Sure. my whole time hang up and, and just wanting to do things right. And yeah. When I commit to something, I want it to be done properly. And sure. And so I just knew in that first week I was not going to have the time to do that. So I moved in. For two weeks, I made 150 bucks. so I know what I was doing would have worked. Okay. So that was inspiring and motivating. Awesome. I'm glad I tried. I mean, I only had the booth for two weeks. (laughs) Then I made 150 bucks.
0: But you still have a ton of inventory now. Well,
1: now I don't. Okay. So, I also was like, well, this is all overwhelming me because now I was just going to go back in boxes. Which the whole point of the consignment was... To get rid of. To get rid of all this stuff in storage. So I had a garage sale this past Sunday.
0: Okay.
1: I made approximately $0 and sold zero things.
0: Okay. Approximately. Approximately.
1: (laughs) It was very cold as well. It was approximately 22 degrees at 7.30 when my yard sale began. Okay. So at 11.30, with only having two people stopped, I was like, you know what... I'm done. Okay. Packed everything in and took it to Goodwill. Okay. It's awesome. All right. And you know what I
0: did all day yesterday? No idea.
1: I got to clean and beautify my office space. So okay. it is now a welcoming environment of creativity awesome. for me. So I'm on to the next thing and who okay. knows what that is.
0: All right. It's beautiful. Just moving forward. Moving forward. I love it.
1: Figuring out, finding <laughs> solutions.
0: As opposed to creating more issues.
1: Right. Done. Yeah. Just done trying to figure out what to do with all this stuff that That's wasn't good. really even initially mine, but just right. was given to me as, as I was the storage unit. Yeah.
0: I am not the storage unit. That's awesome.
1: Self-care that shit right out.
0: I love it. That's fantastic. It is awesome. Thanks. Right, moving forward.
1: Moving forward.
0: Okay, so you picked the topic.
1: So I picked the topic for this week's podcast. And, and we've
0: definitely talked about it.
1: I think this is actually one of the topics that we initially... Initially, initially, way back in the wind when we were before we were podcasters, right? Um had talked about doing, and I know that we've sat around campfires and joked and talked definitely. and laughed about this. So our topic for tonight is what is your toxic type?
0: Which I love because I think that that definitely influences a lot of our decisions. and without really even knowing, you know, we had started talking about it and recognizing, oh, well, there are certain attributes of the people that we choose specifically to date, but also in relationships that we're just kind of drawn to that are not good for us, hence toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had kind of evaluated what that looks like. And I, I'm sure there are other people who talk about these things. But mm-hmm. for us, this is something that kind of comes from or is born from our damage, right? The things Mm -hmm. that happen to us in childhood and adolescence that then leads us to kind of look over our relationships and the people that we choose.
1: Absolutely. And those are romantic partners, Mm -hmm. friendships, colleagues at work who we're attracted to. All that historical narrative really starts to lay foundations of what we look for. Yeah. And plus our personality types definitely play an impact. You Mm -hmm. know, are we a social or are we a helper sure like, are, are we, we a
0: caretaker are exactly. we a rescuer right. um and and we've talked a little bit about like codependency we've talked about uh self-esteem and body image and on all of those things kind of play into who we're choosing mm-hmm. to then spend our time with and if that person or people those people are not kind of reciprocal right then there's obviously an issue and so identifying your toxic type really comes down to a couple things and so you have questions let's go
1: absolutely well i thought we could first start with um what is your toxic type as far as romantic partnership because then we'll talk about friendship Sure. Next, because I do feel like the dynamics we have in a romantic relationship versus a friendship relationship are, are very different.
0: They are different, um, but certainly before now, there have been people who um, kind of mirror our romantic relationships in our friendships. Um, for me, mm-hmm. um, I you and I, when we talked about it, I recognized that my toxic type is emotionally unavailable men.
1: How,
0: what does that look like? It looks like terrible. Uh, (laughs) It looks like rotten. (laughs) Well, it's funny because as I looked at, you know, my early um, romantic relationships, certainly from adolescence forward, um, there is something very alluring to me about a come here, go away kind of relationship. Okay. In that kind of, I'm hot and cold, right? Right. Oh, I and mean, I want you so much, but I can't, or I'm just not so not the right time. And I right. joke often about how I have the worst timing. Like I'm always right place, wrong time, or I'll meet somebody and they're not available, or uh, they really are like, "Oh my God, you're so great," but I'm moving to Alaska or whatever. Oh. Um, but but that emotional unavailability. Um, as I as I sit and I kind of think about it, like for me. It's someone who is just not able, for whatever reason, their personality, their time, their availability, their job, their life, their everything, uh, to not give me what I need emotionally. And only recently did I recognize what I need emotionally, Mm because I am very much a caretaker.
1: Right.
0: I am very much the kind of person who will go above and beyond um, over and over and over Mm -hmm. and then just kind of sit back and... Fingers crossed you're going to give that back to me, right?
1: Hoping for that to be reciprocal.
0: Yep, absolutely. And then what
1: happens when it's not? Uh,
0: Then I'll give it another year or two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are so patient, grasshopper. Exactly. I'm just like, maybe now. How about now? How about now? Um, And so, yeah, that's that's my type. That's the one. I'm working on not doing that, um, although that's still challenging because I think there's, I may not remember my first like significant boyfriend in high school and, uh, and he went to a different school, you know, we didn't go on like formal dates. He just, he was complicated and I really like, you know, complicated, complex people who have depth. What I don't recognize is that that depth means danger (laughs) for me. Um, and so that's, you know, as I look at those relationships, I'm like, "Ugh, that's an ugly pattern. I don't like, I mean, the, the person that I identify as, you know, my, my lobster, my it's oh, uh, <laughs> um, someone I, that I really cared a lot about. And I think we had a lot in common. It was like, you know, very passionate and, and hot and burned quickly. And, you know, we did all kinds of kind of sappy things like sat around at night and like, played music together and we both sang and, you know, we would talk about poetry and all these things. And then he moved and and I was very accepting of that. And I was like, I want you to be you and I totally support that. And, you know, um, I did finally get an opportunity to go back to that relationship and, and kind of ask him, like, was this real <laughs> right. or was this all in my head that I like make this up? And he was like, no, it was real. And I really appre- appreciate you supporting me in leaving. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm so glad it worked for you. Oh. Um, but yeah, like that. That's that's my go-to.
1: That's your go-to. Yeah. We all have. It's the default setting.
0: It is. And you talk a lot about the default setting in I terms of I like... I think I coined the I phrase, think you did. I mental think... health
1: of default <laughs> setting. <laughs> Just
0: like I coined doom train, you coined Ooh, default setting. I
1: love it.
0: All right. So tell me what your toxic type is that you've identified.
1: So in being in a, in a romantic relationship, having been married together with and married to the same person for 11 years and doing a little bit of dating before that and a little bit of dating now... After that um, I definitely have been able to in you know a serious relationship after after my divorce they've been able to really identify that my toxic type is that I love me a selfish man okay oh I want to fill that cup all the time <laughs> and what do I want in return all the same things I'm giving but do I ask it no because I just wait for it and to then, be reciprocated right, just like do you do it I get it. When you were saying that, I was like, I totally resonate. But yeah, I like really selfish people. So people are selfish with their time. People are selfish
0: with their energy.
1: People are selfish. So yeah, it's not like financial selfish. No. No, it's it's more of But that's part
0: of it. Because I mean, you're incredibly generous. Mm -hmm. Not just with your time, but like with your effort and energy. Once you pour yourself into someone, like you just keep giving. I do. And... I it, let the fountain flow sure.
1: of like all the lovin's. um and so and I and I've done that in my past relationships and it was very depleting and draining in uh, the two relationships that I'm thinking of yeah. you know in my marriage it turned into okay well then we it, it turned into living two separate lives sure you know you can only ask when you do start asking so many times meet that answer of no, yeah. no, no, not today, don't want to go to dinner today, don't want to spend time with you today, don't want to watch a movie with you today, don't want to do laundry, don't want to do anything with you ever. Right. Um, you can only ask so much before you're finally like, okay, I'm going to go on and live my own life. Sure. <laughs> like,
0: I, and, and that really does build like...
1: Animosity.
0: It builds... Re- it really it, builds, it builds a lot of
1: resentment.
0: <laughs> resentment, but it also builds, um, you know, the the gap or the chasm between you then gets larger and so it's not likely to work, right? Like as long as you are doing your own thing and taking care of yourself. And we certainly advocate for taking care of yourself. At some point, um it, it becomes exhausting to just like, I'm just gonna keep doing me and why the fuck am I doing this with you?
1: Absolutely. And then in my last relationship my toxic type was very selfish. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That was um that was an experience, so that was interesting. The more I gave, because, you know, the closer we get, the more I'm like, let me do this for you, and let me do this for sure. you, and let me do this for you, and then in living together, you know, let me do this for you, and let me do it. Before I knew it, I was, like, doing everything. Right. Everything. Coordinating Dates, doing all the household work, doing all the... Planning shopping, trips. Planning, planning and, the trips. Yeah. Want to go camping? I had to plan that. Like, I had to do everything. Sure. There was no... Nothing. If nothing was planned, then the weekend was sitting at home and watching YouTube. <laughs> Which, on the
0: one hand, like, that's fine, that's fine every once in a while, but it's not who you are normally.
1: Yeah. No, I can totally handle that, like, one weekend a month. But sure. But when that's, like, every evening and then every weekend. And right. all the time, that's just not my lifestyle. No. And so when I was in that relationship, I realized I did let, to make room to keep giving, right. Mm-hmm. To have the time to be able to just, you know, have a dinner ready when they got home and to then clean up and to take care of all the things and to do all the stuff. I stopped going to the gym, mm-hmm. right. Something always has to give. Right. Stopped going to the gym, you know, um, it, it took a huge hit on my self-esteem. You know, I, i I did not feel loved. Right. And that was something that I had expressed, you know, because I wasn't receiving how I needed to be loved in return, you know, my love language, if you prescribe
0: to that, (laughs) which I recommend
1: that. Like it is something that I kind of believe in. Sure. Um, there aren't a lot of merits to that, Gary Chapman. Um, so (laughs) it's
0: actually a really good book to kind of identify how you speak your love, but also how you receive it. And those two things aren't necessarily the same. Absolutely. Um, the Gary Chapman book does a great job of evaluating and I recommend it to couples a lot because if you don't know what your partners love language is and you are like a, you know gifts mm-hmm. right but they really need words of affirmation right. then you're buying them things and they're still not feeling loved because they really just want you to say hey you're doing a great job and i, right. I love the way you do xyz thing
1: right you look really pretty today
0: oh my god right like that'll keep us going for hours and days Day. and months but if we're not getting that on every, you know, every holiday or everything, we're getting like a new necklace or earrings or whatever. It's like, I've got a pile of shit and I still don't, I don't feel, feel loved by you. Right. No. Right. Absolutely. And if it's, for me, it's quality time. Right. I adore quality time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, someone who wants to make me dinner, someone who wants to spend time with me, someone who makes that effort to make a plan and all those things like that for me, I will do yeah. anything for you. Um, But I like emotionally unavailable men. So they're just not in a place to be able to give me those things. Right. And there's something unfortunately triggered in my brain that says, keep trying. Yeah. And that's not helpful. Right. Can we identify other kind of toxic types? Maybe not our own, but things that we see in our friendships. Oh. Or like people, you know, other toxic types that people choose or stay in. Oh.
1: That's a good question. Now I have to, like, go through and think about my friends
0: and their relationships. <laughs> <laughs> right, or just kind of identifying other uh, relationships that we've seen that um, are not overly helpful. Like, like I know that certainly attachment theory talks about if you were not securely attached as a child um, and given that consistent um, reinforced love that, that builds stability and security, like, I know for me, like, my uh, attachment type is anxious and avoidant. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, and, and I know this to be true, certainly in in choosing someone who is emotionally unavailable, I'm almost used to that come here, go away. Right. Because I, I am av- avoidant of consistency, mm-hmm. um, but then once I have it, I get really anxious about it. I'm like, I don't, are you not talking to me today? I don't know what's happening. Like my nervous system is so used to that. Right. Right. And so I think attachment, um, lends itself into choosing someone who's not emotionally available. Like if I don't believe in the stability and security of the relationship, then I'm going to choose something that reinforces that idea. Nice. Right. But you identified that. <sighs> Just
1: linking it all. I mean, I'm fucking
0: forty six, so I should probably figure it out. Um,
1: people will
0: go their whole lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but think about like people who who get married over and over again, or people who have a, a who struggle at being by themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that avoidance keeps them safe, but it also keeps them alone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or they choose, you know, for example, people who are in other committed relationships, right? So they're they're the side right. piece, or uh, that's just a comfortable place for them. They're gonna choose somebody not just emotionally unavailable, but not available, legally, right? Unavailable, Le- legally unavailable, right? <laughs> but I mean that those are things that people choose. Like mm-hmm. I would much prefer, and and we do it under the guise of control, right? Right. I will be in control of this. I know what it is. I accept that. Um, even though I know that it's not healthy for me. But in some ways, it keeps us safe. Um, And so that's something to consider. Um, There are also people who will, you know, choose the rescuer role, right? So they'll pick someone intentionally who maybe doesn't have the best coping skills, or maybe is in a financial strain, or maybe is um, in some you kind know, of
1: crisis. Right, comes
0: from like a family that's not... Um, stable, mm-hmm.
1: supportive.
0: And so they feel like the only role that they can fill is rescuing that person. Right. right? And so once that other person gets to a stable, secure place, they feel unfulfilled because right. the relationship isn't what it was once.
1: Yeah, it changed. The dynamic changed. You got that person to be stabilized and now... now
0: yeah, you, like what's you your role? A-
1: yeah
0: exactly how do you
1: make a relationship now
0: and which is not it's not healthy but obviously we do it you know all the time we're, we're picking people um one because obviously we care about them and there's there's all the the basics of like attraction blah blah all the things but a lot of people stay in relationships because of that toxic type right. you know That if, if and and sometimes it can be really um detrimental if you um, and I talk to clients a lot about the fact that we often choose people um, that mimic what we grew up in. So if you grew up in chaos, mm-hmm. you're going to choose a dramatic partner, a partner who is uh, really a lot of drama and, you know, they like to fight with you or they like to throw a fit about all the things.
1: Or create their own drama when Ex- there wasn't any. Exactly.
0: And that feels comforting to you. And that's unfortunate because when we choose those people... We are making an agreement, not just with them, but with ourselves and our own nervous system to stay in a system that's not overly helpful.
1: Right.
0: And that's, it's a thing that we do as humans. We are attracted to what we know.
1: That's what I just said in my head. Exactly. What we know, well, it's consistency. Right. It's comfortable. Mm -hmm. If all we know is domestic violence in our household that we are growing up in and that is our norm and that's to be expected, you know, whoever is the initiator, instigator, or whatever that uh, domestic violence looks like, you'll seek that out. Well, I think the other thing... And it, you will bag, be a magnet for
0: it. Sure. It will be
1: attracted to you. Sure. In
0: universe. And then... And that will feel normal. If it's not maybe physical violence, but right. emotional abuse, yeah. then we make the the agreement in our head of like, well, he, at least he's not hitting me. Right. Or at least she's not, you know, keying my car or whatever. Um, But those are things that systemically continue to happen until you get to that place of awareness so you and i are at a place of awareness we're right. like okay we know that this is our toxic type right you like selfish people i like emotionally unavailable people right um how do we change that
1: oh you just have to be really conscientious about it
0: or just even like saying it out loud yeah. and then going okay mm, this feels familiar right is it familiar in a good way or a bad way
1: well, and if it's familiar in a way that you've grown with, it, it can feel good.
0: It can feel good. It can feel good. And so how so, do you then evaluate?
1: How do you change it? Right. How do you change it?
0: Well, you got to evaluate, like, what do I change first? got to change and it. And then what do I change about that? Right. Right. So what was your next question on the list?
1: So our, so that was covering romantic relationships. What sure. about her friendships and personal relationships?
0: Have you had a friend breakup before?
1: I've had a lot of friend breakups. And my friend breakups are always, it tends to be, with individuals who are borderline personality.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I think that that's also true for me, but I only because I... I'm allergic to them now, but before that used to feel very normal for someone to just take advantage and take and take and take and bring a lot of drama and all the things.
1: Oh yeah, I love it. I love it because I can help. <laughs> sure. Right? And that's what forms these friendships. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, you need help with your career? Let me help you. Let's be besties and I'm going to like share all my work with you and I'm going to inspire you and I'm going to motivate you and I'm going to network you and I'm going to... Make you meet all these people, and your career is just going to excel, and everything's going to be great. And then it does, mm-hmm. right? And then what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, like you know, like we were talking about earlier, when we um, fully put ourselves into someone else, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they get better, mm-hmm. or they do things better, or they're going to keep taking.
1: That's the thing.
0: And then you become exhausted. And that's
1: where my friend breakups with the borderlines and my identification of all of this happened. It was the great purge of 2018, 17.
0: Okay, not last year, but the year before. Yes. Okay.
1: So that was my year of just huge change where I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Like bombs in the brain going off, explosions of like
0: self-awareness. Sure.
1: And uh, yeah, that was the year that I stopped talking to two friends because I was just like, this, these relationships are exhausting. Mm -hmm. I feel like I walk on eggshells in these relationships and Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I do know that these like relationships don't make me feel good. Right. Right. I know something is very wrong and it's freaking me out. And I don't know what it is. So then I had to sit back and think.
0: Right. (laughs) Well, there's also, like, physical identifiers. And so tell me more when you sat back and thought about it. Well, I was
1: like, why does this friendship cause me anxiety? Like, if they are not answering the phone, why do I feel anxious? I'm like, oh, because I know them. And I know they don't answer the phone when they're pissed off. So they must, therefore, be pissed off at me.
0: So is that you or them?
1: That was like me reacting right.
0: that was your code. that was
1: my code reacting sure though, to their behaviors and having known them now as a friend um yeah no and then i realized it was that year as well that people were not or they weren't those two people were not around as much yeah because i didn't have anything left to give financially because okay. we identified like you know i'll pay for dinner i'll pay for drinks whatever yep. like yep. not a big deal well, in 2017, coming out of a divorce, I did not have a dime. Right. So all of a sudden, like, then there were not invites to go do things. And so it was it was really interesting to kind of watch the degradation of those relationships. And that I wasn't able to perform as the friend that they had become, become accustomed, accustomed to. to you sure. You know? And then I also started putting down a lot of boundaries in 2017 Mm because I was just like, no, that's not going to work for me. We're going to have to do it some other time. I'm not going to be, I'm just not at Beck and Call anymore. Yeah. Like I'm working on developing a life that I love and I enjoy and like I have plans and I have these things on my schedule. How
0: did you get to that place of kind of becoming aware of boundaries or even just starting to put yourself first? Like... Did you go to therapy? Were you doing a lot of introspection? Were you reading? What were you doing?
1: So, in 2016, I started therapy, and I was in therapy for eight months. Okay. Every other Friday, for eight months straight, mm-hmm. um, which is just, like, my time to go and deposit my brain stuff onto somebody, but also to start working in preparation for a divorce. Okay. Impending doom. Um, mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I mean, it like, had
0: been coming for a while, but at that point, you were time. just, like, just decided that that's what you needed to do. Right.
1: So some of it was like to talk relationship. And so after eight months in therapy and having to reflect and like go through things and process things and really tear things apart, talk about my upbringing, talk about my marriage, talk about past relationships. So there were not that many before, Mm -hmm. because I was 22 when I met my ex-husband. So just really kind of process that. So I think therapy, but I think also too I just grew up in some way. I don't really know how to explain that other than I was on my own mm-hmm. as an adult, which in my adulthood time, you know, if we count that from, that was from 18 to 22 and that was it. Yeah. You know, where I got to which like Which is like just a little. Adult. It's a blip. Yep. You know, where I was, you know, paying my own rent, doing my own thing, paying my own bills, all those things, everything was dependent on me. So I only had a tiny little amount of time before I coupled up and, you know, it became like a a duo, a team thing. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I was on my
1: own and had to just really look at taking care of me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so being a helper who takes care of everybody... You know, um, it changed things. Sure. For me, I was like, whoa, I got to help myself. Like, I'm like... There's no one
0: else doing it.
1: There's no one, and there's no backup. Yeah. You know, there's no backup for me on this. Like, this is all on my own, and I've got to put down these boundaries... Or else, like, all is going to go to heck in a handbasket.
0: Well, and I like that you mentioned, too, because you didn't have the resources to show up in your friendships the way you had before. So that was an automatic boundary. Like, I just don't have the money. And I don't have the time. Like, I'm struggling to kind of get my life back on track, all the things. Right. Um, And so the people who gladly take... There was nothing for them to take.
1: No, there's nothing left.
0: And so when you throw up a boundary, when you say, hey, I can't, or this is the schedule I have or whatever, those people hopefully organically drop off. Right. But some people hang on or pop back up, you know. And so then now that you are aware of, like, I have to be in control, Mm -hmm. I have to take charge for myself, did that affect how you were then making decisions and who you're spending your time with?
1: Absolutely. My time is a commodity. So, and I was spending time with those who were calling and texting and wanting to. It really, my, my divorce in that time frame and stuff really showed me who my friends are. Who's yeah. going to show up. Right. You know, when I got divorced, I mean, I had a friend who was calling my best friend at the time. She was calling me her best friend at the time and she didn't even show up to help me pack was allowed to pack at my old home, yeah. you know, and I was just like, "Whoa!" She's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to breakfast with my fiance. We'll be there afterwards." And then it was like two hours later, "Oh, we're gonna run around with my family." And then like two hours later, it never showed up. Yeah. So, and those things are, those are indicators. But that's you know? also
0: a hard lesson. Like it's that, painful. Oh, that
1: was a slap in the face, and that sure. was, I think, probably the spiral. You know, because then there were, from that same friend less phone calls, Mm -hmm. less text messages, wouldn't respond to me. You know, when I was like, oh, you know, when there was an invite, hey, you want to go to dinner? And I was like, oh, I really can't afford dinner. out. You know, I'm on a really tight budget right now. I'm trying to save up to get a place. Sure. Um, You know, like, can we meet up after dinner? And then just no response.
0: Yeah, just crickets.
1: Just nothing. Yeah. So... Yeah, so it was it was a matter of then like being able to take like a critical eye at those relationships. And one of the things that I said was, the hardest thing that I've gone through in a relationship is a divorce. Mm-hmm. I did not want that to happen. Of
0: course, I did not want you that. Didn't get married for that purpose. I didn't right?
1: get married to know that there was an end an, an end point. You know, yeah. and that was a and that that was a commitment that I that I made. And so and it just unfortunately just didn't work out um but that was like a really life hard thing to do
0: and i think like those really life hard things like you know losing a partner uh through divorce or uh, a death in the family or uh losing a job like all of these really big hard transitions that's when you find out who your friends are absolutely i think so too and then you evaluate like what is it about this person and, and we choose people for different reasons right? right like sometimes um you know they're your friend from childhood and it's just been a long amount of time sometimes you work together sometimes you know you um you met at at uh, school right and you know our friend sherry like we love her absolutely yeah. but our lives have changed so significantly absolutely. um and at the time when we're all going through this this process of like school and graduating and um all of that together like you feel really bonded and connected and then time changes things right absolutely. um but going through something really hard uh definitely sifts out who's gonna be around
1: absolutely yeah yeah
0: and then evaluating like okay in a pinch or if i had something hard to, like who would i call right you know
1: absolutely and i think
0: when you couple up like you assume that that person is going to be your person right. through all the things. Obviously, when you t- take a commitment like marriage, you know, we make the assumption that you are now going to be my default. You're going to be my emergency contact. You're going to be the person to pick me up and do all the things. Right. When that shifts, yep. then you have to evaluate, like, who who is my person?
1: Like, who's really going to, who's going to come to the emergency room? Right. Like, who is that
0: person? And yeah. then you
1: go through your phone and you're like, it's my
0: mom. <laughs> <laughs> for me, that's not the case, but but I understand. Um,
1: I'd show up to the emergency room for you. <laughs> well,
0: thank you. Here. I appreciate that. <laughs> Hopefully, I never have to. Please I don't would get your literally house in the room. have to be dying, and even then, no. <laughs> um, but but it is interesting that we choose friendships again. That in, in a lot of ways, and and we've talked about this. Like sometimes our friendships are even more important than those romantic connections.
1: Absolutely
0: but they have to be the the ones that are worth our time.
1: Absolutely.
0: And and the ones that are are going to give that back. And nine times out of 10 because friendships are intimate in a different way. Right. Um, you know, they don't always mirror our toxic types, but sometimes they do. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and if we're so used to giving uh and not receiving back, like that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Because then you start to recognize like if I don't call, if I don't set up um a happy hour or a dinner date or whatever, like, are they going to do that back?
1: Right. And then when they don't, then you're watching YouTube all night. (laughs) Or you phone another friend.
0: Right. Well, and that's, that's the thing. And I think, you know, as, as we get older and certainly as we get more kind of settled and, and comfortable with who we are Mm -hmm. and what our needs are. And we're, you, you and I struggle and have struggled with asking for our needs. Um, I hate that. <laughs> I want everybody
1: to be a mind reader.
0: Have oh. you met anyone who is yet? No. No. Okay. And so I'm the don't same you way. not think the world would be a simpler place? No. It would be a terrifying <laughs> place. Nobody needs to know what's going on in my head 24-7. I don't even like knowing no. what's going on in my head 24-7. Um, but I think that the, the more awareness that you get, right? So through therapy, through kind of it, just increasing self-awareness of like, how am I showing up? How are other people showing up? Um, reading things, you know, we talk about Brene Brown and I talk about uh, Glennon Doyle, Love Warrior. Um, you know, I I recommend a lot of books to clients because sometimes um, I don't have to rewrite anything. There's already tons of things out there. The things I'm going to write are things that I, I want to write. But, you know, when I work with clients, a lot of times it's looking at patterns Um, there was an exercise I used to do with clients when I first started, um, it was a timeline of kind of their lives and it would, it just didn't matter where we started in therapy, but if they were to look at kind of their big decisions, Mm -hmm. uh, life-changing moments Mm -hmm. and people who were in their lives, as you look at this timeline, you start to pay attention to, oh, when this got really shitty this is how I reacted or Mm -hmm. this is the choice. These are the choices that I made. And so once you become self aware in that way Mm -hmm. and you look at it in an evaluating, um, did that work? Did it not work? Do I continue to do that? What, what is my benefit? Right. Um, then you can make a different choice, right? So I know that, you know, kind of the last thing before we close is kind of looking at what we get, Right. From choosing our toxic type. Yeah.
1: How does this type feed one, our needs? Our right. core needs. That's our last question. Yeah. For a podcast is how does this particular toxic type, how does that feed our need? Right. And for me, my need is to help people and care for people and love on people. And sure. care of people. And so, of course, having a toxic type of very selfish human beings.
0: Yeah.
1: Um that totally fit feels fills my cup over but then but then i'm just kind of left like without that being reciprocal right because i mirror to people what i want mirrored back
0: yeah and that's and that's unfortunate because when you when you are such a generous compassionate caring person like your normal your default setting is to be a caretaker is to give and give and give and give but if you're not getting it back then you become empty Far more quickly Mm -hmm. than if you were in something that was reciprocal and and kind of then they would do that for you and then you would be able to do that for them and like you know i think in friendships now you do that a lot more conscientiously and so you recognize you know for example like work you weren't getting anything back right it was a lot more taxing to you than what you were getting from the job
1: absolutely Giving, 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 and going straight into career burnout.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so that's the piece where, you know, now you're aware of it, right? So moving forward.
1: Well, and then we started with, you know, that I opened the consignment shop and closed the consignment shop. As opposed
0: to continuing to do it. Because you'd committed or, you know, whatever. Me
1: five years ago. I would have... That was a commitment. I have to follow through on this. I must, like, just figure it out, work it out, and stress myself the fuck out. Right. And, no, not anymore. Good. Like, this is not working. Okay. So, like,
0: rather than kind of pushing and, and, and feeling like um, you were obligated to do it, mm-hmm. now you're like, okay, I tried it. All of these things don't work, so I'm going to pull back and not do that.
1: Right. And I'm going to use that time... To take care of me, or yep. to take care
0: of somebody that's I'm important to me. I'm going to go to the to me. gym, I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, reinvest in, in my new position, I'm going to spend time with my partner, I'm going to, you know, Absolutely. do a podcast. I'm going to do a, po- I'm going to spend time with
1: my friend and we're going to do a podcast. Yeah. I'm going to use my time more constructively. Sure. Instead of. Cause I knew how this would all end up. I'd be pouring as much energy as I could, and still feel like it wasn't enough. Yeah. And I was just like, I just don't want to live that way. Absolutely. I made a decision several years ago to just not live that way anymore. So right. Let's put a solution to this.
0: And, and then that's what you've been and able that's to what do. I did. That's awesome. So that's what awesome.
1: about you? How do you? What do you think about this? About this? How does your toxic type? How does that feed? So I feed think a need?
0: like emotionally unavailable people. On the one hand, um, they keep me. It keeps me safe. It keeps me from, you know, um, being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so, I get to show them like how awesome I am. But then I don't show them the other parts of like the vulnerability or the weakness or the the anxious and avoidant attachment. Um, and and I recognize that I do that. And I'm working towards being more vulnerable but i also think that you know like you i i like to show up and almost it's almost a game or a test to be like well if i keep giving all these things like are you gonna love me back what i am learning is that i need to listen to the english words they're saying and if they're saying i'm not available to do that then i have to be okay with that
1: because that's just the that's just that's just the truth right that's the answer yeah
0: and and a lot of times, like they don't even know that they're emotionally unavailable. Mm-hmm. But I will go out of my way to like, ooh, you look like a broken hot mess. Yes. <laughs> um, swipe. <laughs> is it right or left?
1: Uh,
0: right is swipe, right is good and left is bad. Swipe
1: right.
0: <laughs> um, but but I'm learning, right? I'm I'm looking at it and going, okay. Every once in a while, I do need to be validated. It's not me, it's them. Mm-hmm. But I'm learning, you know, and and I struggle but I have learned very well from falling down enough times to kind of get up and start over again. Uh, But it does, it keeps me safe. Um, It keeps me from being uh, exposed um, as the broken hot mess that I can sometimes be. And I don't live in that victim place of I'm a broken yeah. hot mess, but I definitely feel that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And being vulnerable with someone who's emotionally unavailable doesn't serve me, right? So right. they can't hold the space for me to do that. My friendships right. do. Um, and I'm better at choosing friends now. But um, I I know that sometimes I'm just going to have to be vulnerable. And we'll see. I mean, I I am still in the process of learning mm-hmm. what it is my needs are mm-hmm. and I'm doing a much better job of taking care of my needs on my own nice. and meeting um meeting my needs and th- and doing things that fulfill me mm-hmm.
1: um
0: and doing a lot of those things alone like I have since I was 10 and probably before that I have always had someone in my life that I needed to take care of Um, and if it wasn't my siblings, it was my child. And then it was, you know, my partner. And, and, um, so this is like the first time and certainly as an adult that I don't, I don't have to, I'm not under obligation of taking care of anybody else. Right. Um, I'm just taking care of myself. And though I love that and like, you know, recently I've like taken myself to the movies. I'll take myself camping. I go on vacation by myself. Um, I'm enjoying all of those things, but it is sometimes very exhausting and it's lonely. So I'm, I'm not willing to settle again, but I'm also just before I go in headlong into something, I'm taking time to be aware of what I'm choosing and why I'm choosing it. Mm -hmm. And then if it's triggering that avoidant or anxious attachment, if it's triggering Um, you know, oof, you look like you might not be available for all the things I need. Hmm. Then I get out of it.
1: Good.
0: Because I'm not going to stay in something that does not serve me, um, or at least meet me halfway.
1: Good. So. That's positive. And do you write, like, a list of, like, what your needs are?
0: You know, I've been writing lists of what my needs are, but also the kind of what I'm looking for.
1: Nice. And
0: that list gets, you know, um, sometimes I, I wrote a very long list, um, when I first got married I wrote a very short list. So you got the
1: abridged version
0: then. <laughs> but now I'm I'm at the place where I, I know that my, you know, um my what do I call them usually? Um, you know, my absolute commitments, the the ones that the, the absolutes that I absolutely need. Your deal breakers. The, my deal thank you. My deal breakers are things that I'm not going to settle again on.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And that's a great technique figuring out what your needs are sure, and giving yourself some time for some self-reflection. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's something that a lot of people don't do. Because we all are caregivers. We sure. are all taking care of someone and to include ourselves in the world. Right. Or being cared for because we're a child or yeah. something. But um, just being able to identify your needs, that took me a long time when I went to therapy. Um, that was a struggle. Well, what are your needs? And I'm like, I don't know. I take care of everything. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have needs. Like, everything's taken care of. I don't need nothing. Like- I need nothing! Oh, but I need love. Right? Right? Yeah. Now I need communication. Sure. Now I need hugs. Now I need sex. And I need... And then the, l- the list got really long. Sure. And I was like, wait, hold on. Like, once I was able to unhinge cognitively yep. from this, like, well, I don't need anything. I'm really simple. I'm, like, easy. <laughs> and I started to see my... Turns kids, out, no. A... No! It turns out you got a few pages of what your needs are. Sure.
0: And but the deal breakers are really, are really good to identify. Core. Yeah.
1: Deal breakers are our core. So we can look at those as like the center of the earth. Right. And then we take it out to like the shell of the planet earth. And those are like the needs that we want. Right. And then we have to have some outer space ones that, yeah, I'd love.
0: If yeah. that happened, if that'd, that'd, that'd be, be happens,
1: cool. But I'd be so down for that. But.
0: But I can live without it but too. But I can live without that. Yeah. So. That's yeah. our time, buddy. Like we went hard and there we are now at our time
1: did we go harder or faster
0: i I think we went um harder and not faster (laughs) because we ran out of time if we were going faster we would have run out of you know we would have been like oh god 30 minutes of dead air um so that's our show for today that's tonight's topic thank thank you so much yeah
1: listeners definitely think about you know what is your toxic type in your relationships romantic relationships and friendships you know is there something unnerving going on write yourself a list do some uh self-reflection
0: yeah and then moving forward what are you gonna what are you gonna not settle for what are your deal breakers Mm -hmm. um and then what are you willing to live without but you know it's it's entirely up to you and I think spending time alone that's something we both learned uh in doing that that we were able to kind of move forward
1: absolutely well thank you thank you
0: and i you know we'll do this again in two weeks
1: yeah thanks for listening to x to the Zenial. if you want to contact us go ahead and shoot us an email at x the number two t-h-e-x-e-n-n-i-a-l at gmail.com
0: you can also reach us on instagram uh shoot us a dm uh also anxiety skills this weekend um you can reach me on Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC, um, or Luna X2 dot LLC at Gmail. Woo! Thank you so much. Thanks so
1: much.